0: as we continue in this series called Upside Down, all about how in this world everything's upside down, including our own lives and relationships and communities and even church, it can be upside down. God has made it possible through Jesus Christ for us to live right side up, for us to experience life as he originally wanted us to experience it. That's why Jesus came in this whole series. And if you've missed it, you can get it on our Northridge YouTube channel. But it's all about living right side up. But it's one thing to know that you can live right side up. It's one thing to know how God made it possible for us to live right side up. It's another thing to keep living right side up. We can know everything we need to know and still be living upside down. The reality is that we live in a world that is raging against God and His truth and His declared morality, and we can't avoid, no matter how hard we try, we can't avoid exposure to it. So, no matter what values we claim or desire to embrace or what decisions we've made and commitments we've made to live by God's values instead of our own, to live not based upon the temporary but the eternal, no matter how strong we think we are in that, we're still at risk. Because we live in a world where the prevailing winds are blowing against it, where the current of the culture wants to take us away from God's ways. We're at risk because of our exposure and our kids and our loved ones are at risk. And it all comes down to this truth that we have to understand if we're going to get any value from this series at all. And the truth is simple. Good values, God's values, eternal values, are naturally eroded by constant exposure to bad values. I mean, it just wears you down starts flipping you over. There's a natural erosion. And this isn't me, this is what God says. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how sincere you are, how genuine you are, how much you know, how many commitments you've made, how many times you've made those commitments, we're going to continually experience exposure to bad company. Just so you know, we're in a world of bad company. And sometimes we're the bad company. Because we're human beings. You say, well, I'm at Northridge. There's no bad company here. I'm the pastor of Northridge. You're in trouble. Now, talk about bad company. Bad company corrupts good character. It can erode us. It can diminish us, it can flip us upside down without even knowing it. And and my, my goal is not just to spout information, my goal is to help you not only make good decisions in following Jesus, but to be able to keep those decisions and moving forward so you have to know these realities. And it goes further, look at Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and you'll become wise. But companions of fools suffer harm. Simply saying the same thing. You walk with fools, you'll become like fools. You walk with the wise, you'll become wise. So we live in this world that's raging against God and good values are naturally eroded by all this constant exposure to bad values and we have to, we have to do something about it if we're going to continue to live right side up. We shouldn't want to live right side up for a moment. We should want to live right side up Forever which brings us to this application. If we're going to experience the life and fulfillment that Jesus promised, if we're going to continue not just in moments or in one-off events, but for a constant reality of our life, experience Jesus' promises, we must commit ourselves to taking each step necessary. Taking each step necessary for developing God's values as values that endure, not as temporary. And why is this important? In my own life, I see it. There's this tendency to be right with God for a moment and then to slide away. You have it. The roller coaster experience of the spiritual life. Man, I'm on a high and now I'm down. I'm on a high and now I'm down. But God didn't make us for the roller coaster. He made us for consistently experiencing His impact in our lives. But we have to take each step necessary to building God's values into our life so that they endure. Look at how Romans 12.2 puts it, just so clear. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? It's to live based upon the now, the here and now. It's all we've got, making choices based upon now, And that's the whole culture's pattern, the whole world's wind that's blowing. But he says, but you should live right side up. You should be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Because how you think is how you'll act. And how you think will determine what you choose. You need to renew your mind. And when you do, when you allow God to transform you to have an eternal view instead of a temporary view, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. But the truth is, it doesn't feel like that naturally. God's will feels like, that's upside down. No, His will's right side up. We've just been upside down so long, living in an upside down world, that it feels wrong. But when you're transformed... THEN you can experience what God wants for you. But it takes a journey. And every journey has steps. And the weird thing is, a lot of journeys we see as being linear. Like, I take this step, done, take another step, done, and we just keep going in a straight line. That's not life. I mean, even if you go hiking, you don't just keep walking forever linear. Don't you have to come back again? You have to keep going around. And so I want you to know the steps that we have to take to build God's right-side-up values into our life in a way that endures is not a one step after another step in a straight line. It's circular. And I'm going to give you this week, and I'm going to try and make it really simple. Following Jesus is anything but simple. It's very complex. There's a lot to it. But, but the principles are simple, and I want to give them to you. I'm going to give you eight steps Now this is really, I don't often do this, I'm telling you how many steps I'm going to give you. So now you're going to be counting down, that's one seven left, you know? That's all right, whatever you wanna do. Eight steps, but these are eight steps that have to be made again and again and again and again so that I can go from being worn down by the world and living with the wrong values to once again walking with God and living His values. And we all need these. But I don't know about you, I do better with story than I do with facts and data. And so God's given us the facts and data, but then he's also given us story. So let me give you a biblical example of what this journey looks like and the principles involved, the steps involved, and then I'll give them to you specifically. It's the example of the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Prodigal means rebellious. It's the story of the rebellious son. You can read it on your own in Luke chapter 15. I hope you will. I'll tell you a little bit about it, and then you go home and check up on me, okay? But this prodigal son genuinely believed that his father was ruining his life. His father's ways were keeping him from experiencing the life of fun and pleasure and freedom that he really wanted. So he believed in his head, the way his mind was working, was that the father was ruining his life. And so... He acted on that belief. This is what we do. We act on what we believe. And he believed the father was ruining his life. So he said, I need to get out of here. And so he asked his dad for his inheritance before his dad died. It was basically like saying, you haven't died yet. So how about giving me my inheritance? And his dad, I don't know, I would have said, see ya. But uh, his dad gave him the inheritance and he took off. Of course, I have nothing to give my kids. Thank God. You know, come on. But he gave him the inheritance. And as a result, he took that money and rejected everything his father stood for. Rejected his father's values, his ways, and as a result, he ruined his life. I mean, he threw his life away on the temporary You need to know, at the basis of this story, the prodigal son is us, and the father is God the Father, and and it's exactly our story, but he ruined his life. He found himself in catastrophe, everyone had deserted him because he was no longer funding their life, and he was stuck in a pig pen, feeding pigs, wishing that he could eat as well as they were eating. I mean, it is catastrophe, which is what happens when we live by our temporary values instead of God's values. Some of you are here right now. I've been there a lot. But he finally, there in that pig pen, he finally came to his senses. The catastrophe woke him up. And he realized something. He realized that his father had been right all along, and he had been wrong. He had the wrong mind. He realized, he came to his senses. His father didn't ruin his life. He ruined his own life. He wasn't the victim of anyone. He did it to himself. And so he came to his senses and realized, my father was right, I'm wrong. And he then did what we do. He acted upon his newfound belief. When he thought his father had ruined his life, he rejected him and went the other way. When he realized his father hadn't ruined his life, his father was the answer for his life, He then made a choice to go back to his father. He got up and went back. And he acknowledged. He said, Dad, I know I'm no longer your son, but maybe I could be uh, a household employee because I'll do better as your employee than I'd ever do on my own and to think I used to be your son. He acknowledged his wrong. And he repented you see when he walked away from his father he turned away from his father's ways and went his own and then he repented and he turned away from his own ways and values and went back to the father it's all repentance means and you know what his father did because this is God his father forgave him actually through a celebration this is a great story But too many people just see it as a story. You don't see the journey involved. And the journey is one all of us have to take, not once, but daily, really, in our lives. He shows us the steps to experiencing transformed values that will endure for experiencing eternal life change. But we have to make the choice, like he did, to follow him on his journey. Are are you with me on that? All right. So here's the first step on the journey, and it's not a one-time step. It's a step we have to take over and over and over again on our journey. But the first step is we must recognize that our values have failed us. Our values have failed us because our values have been based upon the here and now, what's good for me in this moment, and that's never, ever going to make a positive experience for eternity. And just so you can see it, because some people are going, yeah, there are people like that. I'm talking to you, all of us. All of us have values by nature that have failed us. Look at how God says it, 1 John 1.8. If we claim to be without sin, having never failed, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We have all been failed by our values. Every bad choice I've made, and I've made a ton of them, comes because I have messed up values values based upon what I feel would be right right now instead of what God says is right right now and here's what we have to grasp the prodigal story is our story and like him we have to come to our senses and this is the problem in our world so many of us are living upside down and we're yet to come to our senses We have to come to our senses. God, our Father, isn't wrong, we are. God, our Father, didn't mess up our lives, we did. We believed and valued the wrong things, you know, the things that the world and its truth values instead of what God says is true. And we have to recognize it, that's the first step. Second step. We have to rationally assess our alternative futures. And that sounds weird, right? We have to rationally assess our alternative futures, but we really do, because every choice has a different ending attached to it. And too many of us are locked in the cycle of, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. We see it as our epitaph. I can't get out of this, I can't overcome. I'm being overcome, there's nothing I do. I tried, I tried, I tried and tried. But what we're doing is we're slopping around in the pig pen, still making choices based on the temporary. And what we have to recognize is that there's a different future that Jesus Christ made possible for us. And we have to rationally assess our alternative futures. It's what he did, the prodigal, he said, I'm here with pigs because I was doing what I thought was right. It was wrong. And I could stay with the pigs, or I could have a different future. I could go back to my father and experience a very different life. We have the same deal. If we stay where we are, life will continue to disappoint but if we go back to the Father, we're going to experience life as it was meant to be. And here's what I just need you to know. In the end, our future, the end of our story, is determined by our choices. And too many of us make choices before we think about the alternate futures. I did as a kid. I'm telling you as a kid, I made such, such stupid choices. I never thought about the end of the story but you know it's really sad I'm no longer a kid and I can still do the same thing Galatians 6-8 God makes this principle really clear this step really clear the one who sows to please their sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction that's one possible story that's one possible ending that's one possible future but the one who sows to please the spirit this is sowing and living for the temporary. But the one who sows and invests their life in the eternal from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, whoa, two alternate futures. One, meaningless, dust, everything disappears. The other, eternal. And we have to make our choices based upon that. John 3, 18, same thing. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. There's one future. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. There's the other future. And what's the difference? whether or not you've believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It all hinges upon what we do with Jesus. So we have to recognize our values have failed us, just like the prodigals, and we have now two possible futures. Third step, we have to repent of our failures. I already explained what repentance was in telling you the story of the prodigal. But we've all, every one of us, sinned, which means we've turned away from the Father and followed what the world says or what we feel or what we want. And if we're ever going to experience the right end to our story, values that endure, eternal promises of God, we have to turn back to God and turn away from our values. Stop living for what the world says, stop living for what we feel and want, and turn back to Him. I like how 2 Corinthians 7, 10 says that godly sorrow brings repentance when, like the prodigal, you're there and you go, I blew it. God was right. Godly sorrow brings repentance where we turn back to him that leads to salvation, new life like the prodigal experience and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow leaves us with regret, with death, keeps us in the same place. We need to... Too many of us actually feel really bad about stuff we've done, but then we keep living by the same values. Have you ever noticed you can keep doing the same thing over and over again, regretting it every time, but nothing ever changes? This is why you have to stop following your instincts, your feelings, how you think you're wired up, what the world says is right about you, and turn back to God. We must repent. Of our failures and this isn't a one-time thing I don't know about you but the prevailing winds of culture press on me so hard at times that I'm flipped upside down without even knowing it and so I then have to turn back again and then there's a fourth step in this journey We must be reconciled to God and his values. We must be reconciled to God and his values. This is what happened with the prodigal. He walked away and separated from his father and his ways, but then he went back and reconciled with his dad and with his dad's values. And this is what so many people miss. When the prodigal came back to his dad, he came back to his dad's ways to his dad's values. Too many of us want to come back to God to get all the promises, to get all the good stuff, to get the celebration, but we never, ever embrace his ways and reject our ways. I I know a lot of people go, I'll come to God on these terms. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be who I want to be. I want to think like I'm going to think. And then God's going to reward me. That doesn't work because you're creating a God that doesn't exist. What we have to do if we're going to experience the fullness of God in our lives is we have to come back to Him and His ways, trusting Him instead of ourselves. Look look at how it says it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. You get a new life like the prodigal did. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God. You can't do it on your own. You have to come back to the Father or you'll never experience this new life. He's reconciled us to himself through Christ. But it's impossible, know this, it's impossible to reconcile yourself to God without reconciling yourself to his ways. Fifth step, we must consistently allow our thinking to be renewed. I've already said it, right? Right? How we think is what determines how we act. God already said that if you don't want to follow the patterns of the world that waste their life on the temporary, then you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we must consistently allow our thinking to be renewed. And this is where I think Christianity starts to break down for many people. They come in and they go, look at the promises of God. Oh, isn't this great? Oh, yeah, I want all this. But they never, ever turn to God's ways versus their own. They just want God to be their new genie in the bottle, their new source of adrenaline. And then everything breaks down again. They're still living with the pigs. And what do they do? They get mad at God and they reject God and they leave God, they leave the church, they leave all that because it doesn't work. But the problem is, it does work. You've never ever really come back to the Father. We must consistently allow our thinking to be renewed. And just so you know, this isn't a one-time event. Yeah, oh yeah, I did that. He renewed my mind, Woo! Really? Well, the prevailing winds of culture are blowing against you. And every day your mind is being filled with the wrong values, the wrong ideas, the wrong truths, the wrong sense. Every moment you're propelling yourself away from him by nature. And so every day, what do you have to do? You have to let him be renewing your mind daily. Or you'll be thinking all the wrong thoughts without even knowing it. One of the greatest disappointments of my ministry has been that people who sat under my ministry for decades go off and do stuff that I can't even comprehend. I go, how did you ever get there? It's easy. They stopped renewing their mind. They stopped allowing God to renew their mind, then the world started owning them and they started making all the wrong choices. You know, I could be a pastor in this church for 33 years as I have been, and tomorrow I could be the prodigal all over again unless I'm allowing Jesus to renew my mind. Like with the prodigal, bad choices always stem from bad thinking. Our thinking can be genuine and sincere, but if it's different from the Father's, if it compromises God's truth, that's a problem. We're wrong, and our choices will be wrong. So our thinking needs to be renewed. I showed it to you in Romans 12 too, but let me show you in Colossians 3.10. These people who have followed Christ, been given a new life, put on the new self, new values, values that endure, which are being renewed. How? in knowledge, in the image of its creator. The problem with us by nature is that our thinking is in the image of the world, in the image of our human nature. The way we have values that endure is by having our mind renewed in knowledge that follows the creator. Has to happen daily. Do you know what happens daily? Social media. You know what happens daily? Media. You know what happens daily? You know, wherever you watch TV or your stories or whatever, you know what happens daily? The download of the news, which is upside down. You know what happens daily? Life. All this happens daily. And so if you're not daily renewing your mind with God's truth and God's values, what happens? You start thinking upside down, and it feels right and normal. And you become the prodigal all over again. The Bible goes further. Psalm 1, 1 through 2, it tells us the same thing. Blessed, satisfied, experiencing God's promises is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of the mockers. That person's not going to experience it. They're the prodigal. And boy, that's where I go by nature. That's where culture wants to take me by nature. You know what this is a lot like? Romans 12, 2, where it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And I don't know if you notice the progression here. You can't avoid the wicked. You can't avoid sinners. You can't avoid, mo- you can't avoid those people. It's our time. But look at what they do. They start walking in their presence and then they start standing in their presence and then they start sitting in their presence. They're upside down. So how do we combat that? By letting God renew our mind. How? But they're the ones who are blessed Yeah, they get exposed to this, but they don't let it sweep them away. They delight instead in the law of the Lord. God's truth renews our mind. And they meditate on his law day and night because they get exposed to junk day and night. So they meditate on his truth day and night. And what happens? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. It's not the prodigal. It's the opposite of the prodigal. And how do we experience that? Well, it's the same thing as Romans 12 too. And when you let him renew your mind, then you'll be able to experience that God's will is good, is pleasing, is perfect. It's like a tree planted by streams of water. And how does it happen? By letting God renew your mind. When was the last time you intentionally, intentionally, turned to God's word so that he could readjust your thinking from what you've been exposed to, to his values? Uh, people you know, they grow up in churches and they go, "God have devotions in the morning. Ugh, life's too busy. Yeah. You know, can't do it. God have to. Work. It's not about having devotions in the morning. It's about letting God reformat your thinking, or you will never be able to make it. It needs to be the priority of our lives to have renewed minds. It's essential. It's essential. I've heard parents say, well, you know, I'm not going to brainwash my kid. I'm just going to let them choose for themselves about God when they grow up. You've chosen to curse them right there. Because the world will program their minds. You have to program them to know God's mind. And that can change their lives. Sixth step. We must reorganize our values. This is what the prodigal did. What what were his values when he thought his dad ruined his life? His number one value, to do everything for me. Boom, over here. When he had a renewed mind, what was his value? I have to get back to the Father. I have to get back to the Father. We have to reorganize our values. A lot of people want the right values. They want God's promises. They want to experience life as God designed it but they're not reorganizing their values. They're doing the same stuff. Like the prodigal, we have to go from seeking our ways first to seeking God's ways first. The spiritual must come first, not second, not third, not last, not when convenient, not when comfortable, but first no matter what. Look at Matthew 6.33. Jesus was saying, you guys are all seeking the wrong thing. You're seeking the temporary stuff. But he said, you want to experience God's best? Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, God's ways. And all this other stuff, it'll fall into its proper place. You've got to seek God first. And I'm going to tell you, this is a problem in our world. Even the people who are motivated spiritually tend to have it as a lower priority than all the other stuff. I'll just prove you. When you wake up, what's the first thing you do? That's your priority. We have to reorganize our values or we'll never have values that endure. And this is hard for me, man. I, I'm an activist. I like to get up and get at it. I also like to get up and read what I want to read and, you know, download what's going on in the world. I'm just, God, just so curious and I'm just doing all this stuff. But you know what happens a lot of times in my life? I'll put everything in except for God's truth. What's programming me? So I've had to do, I, this is a law I have, it's a law. You know, I, I, I do most of my stuff on an iPad or a computer and you know what they do, they they, they try and notify you of all the important stuff they want you to click on, right? I've turned off a bunch of notifications, but they're still there. And then I just, Now I have to... I just said I'm not opening one thing until I've opened God's truth because I need Him to renew my mind today before these people destroy me, before I destroy myself. I need to renew it. And I'm just trying to help you. Do you want what God wants or do you want to be the prodigal? This is a choice you have to make daily to reorganize your values. Too many of us put kids' little league first, kids' piano lessons first, kids' academics first, kids' social structures first, and if there's time, we might even let them go to church once in a while. Nothing like cursing your kid to be the prodigal. I mean, there's no guarantee if you do everything right. My parents were pretty good, and I sucked as a kid. And some of you think I just fell away from God by saying the word sucked. I didn't. I'm still right with God. I think he gets it. It's you that are... You Never mind, I'm just kidding. We have to put them first. Seventh step. Seventh step we must realign our relationships. This is really important. When the prodigal had the wrong mind and made the wrong choices, what did he do? He walked away from the right relationships. He had a relationship with his father, walked away from it. And then his relationship was with all the wrong people and it just tore him up and left him in ruin. When his mind changed and he made the right choice, what did he do? He realigned his relationship with the Father. And this is what we have to do. And so many of us haven't done it. You have to remember what I started this talk with. Bad company corrupts good character. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. Walk with fools, you continue to be a fool. Which is why God gives us this principle in such Living color. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Don't be yoked together, partnered up with unbelievers. For, For what do righteousness, God's eternal values, have to do with wickedness, this world's temporary values? What do they have in common? Or what fellowship community can light have with darkness? They're opposites. They can't. It doesn't mean you can't have friends who aren't believers. It means your most intimate relationships need to be with those who are going to lift you up eternally, instead of pull you down. That's what we need to have, which is why God taught us this in Hebrews ten twenty five. Let us not give up meeting together as a church community, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us keep getting together and encourage one another, and we'll need it more and more as you see the day of judgment approaching. I mean, it's like we need each other, but you know what I found? Many people come to faith want God's values and promises, make decisions to get there, but you know what they don't do? They don't realign their relationships. I have met so many whose best and most intimate friendships are still with people who are anti-faith. You know it's going to happen over time, right? They're going to influence you. They should be your friends. You shouldn't desert them. Christians should be the best friends anyone has, but your most intimate friendship should be realigned. Just process it. Who are your closest people and how often are you with them? And is church a big deal in your life or is it an also-ran? And I don't know, I'm just telling you the truth here. I'm not even doing it in a mean way. I took a happy pill this morning. It was great. But it's like, I'm telling you, these are facts. You're either going to be the prodigal before or after. Eighth step. We must continually re-examine ourselves. We must continually re-examine ourselves. Why? Because we're always exposed to the prevailing wind of the world's corrupt values, and we have the tendency to get blown off course without even knowing it. I know what happens to me. This is where the journey gets circular, see? Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. I mean, you gotta test yourselves. You can be blown off course without even knowing it. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test, you're, you're, you're not showing any signs. And I have to do this with myself. I have to examine myself all the time. I, I have to tell you, I, and this brings me full circle because I examine myself. I say, oh my gosh, my values are the wrong values and they're messing me up again. Oh my gosh, I have two alternate futures. There's step two, right? And I, my choices are leading me to the wrong future. Man, I have to repent because I've turned away from the Father and towards these things and I need to turn back to the Father and go through each one of these steps. And then I come back and I re-examine myself. And you know what? The same thing again. It's a lifetime journey, and I, I would bet a lot, and I don't even bet, I'd bet a lot that most of you haven't run this journey in a very long time, which explains why you're not experiencing God's promises in your life, why your values aren't enduring, why you're not holding up in time. So let's start with reexamining ourselves. I'm going to give you a moment to contemplate this in your heart, but I'm going to give you two questions to contemplate, okay? Then we're going to pray, and, you know, I've got the eight in. I just came up with some other stuff that I wanted to say, and I didn't give it a number, so ha-ha. But here's the thing. Here are the final two questions. How would you rate your values? In line with God or not? based upon the temporary or the eternal? How would you rate your values, really? I mean, be honest. And then the next question, you ready? What's your next step? Where are you at on the journey? I think some of us are sitting in the pig pen with the prodigal and we haven't even taken the first step again yet. Some of you might be stuck in the middle, I don't know. But what's your next step? you got, to, you have to contemplate this or your values will never endure. And I'm gonna tell you, if your values don't endure, you'll live with eternal regret. So I'm gonna ask you if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment and I'll pray and we'll be done. Just bow in prayer and I, how would you rate your values? What's your next step? Where are you at? Talk to God about this. But for those of you who are here and you've never, like the prodigal, Come to your senses, gotten up, and gone back to the Father and repented, turned away from your ways to God's ways. This is your moment. I want to invite you to pray with me. Use my words in this prayer, but make them your words in faith to God. You don't have to be dramatic about it. Just in your heart, just say, Jesus, I, I have blown it. I've been living by the wrong values, and they've led to the wrong choices. And I've sinned, I've messed up, I've lost you. But right now, I'm acknowledging by faith that you died on the cross to forgive me, rose again to give me new life, and by faith, I'm asking you, forgive me and make me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed with me, just before we end, please let us know All you have to do is text us one word, Northridge, to this number, 31616. You can see it on all your screens, wherever you are. And then we'll send you a link so you can tell us what decision you made. And then you get that back to us and we'll send you information and stuff that will help you to grow from there. Let us know. But what about the next step? All of us are contemplating a next step. Here's what I encourage you to do. Take it. Here in Plymouth, I encourage you, go into our glass room. It's right behind the auditorium. We have team members back there. They'd love to answer your questions, talk to you, guide you to how we can support you in taking your next step. If you're at Northridge Brighton, you can go into the lobby, and they'll do the same thing. And if you're watching online, as thousands of you are right now, I know, then just go to northridgechurch.com groups, and it'll give you all kinds of different ways that you can engage your next step. But here's the key. If you're going to experience God's values in your life, they have to be values that endure. You have to take the steps. Take the next step. In fact, let's take the next step together so that we can experience what God wants us for to experience in a world that's raging against him and will live without regret. So glad you were here. Thanks for coming. See you next time.